This is Preggers Can Be Choosers, the fourth and more postpartum support group where we offer peer-to-peer support for each other. We would love to have you join in the conversation live every other Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Need a reminder? Signed up for text alerts to join us at T-A-P-I-T dot U-S backslash J-D-O-A-5. Are you listening and finding this podcast helpful? Let us know on our Facebook page at Pruggers Can Be Choosers or become a supporter at anchor.fm backslash PCBC backslash support. Need someone to talk to now? The Postpartum International or PSI Warm Line is 1-800-944-4PPD or 1-800-944-4773. We love you and you are not alone. Hola, mi gente. It's Rowan here at Preggers Can Be Choosers, and this is your fourth and more um, afterbirth, fourth and more trimester support group. Some of us are pregnant, some of us are postpartum, some of us work in the mental health and physical health and everything health field, and some of us are just lonely and need people. So here we are, <laughs> and that's okay. We're here to meet you where you are. So I'm a licensed CPM here in Houston, Texas. I'm one third of Preggers Can Be Choosers, and uh, I think that's all I got to say. Hey, I'm Caitlin. I've got an almost six-year-old next week and a almost three-year-old, and um, that's about it. Uh, my name is Sarita. I have a just-turned-two-year-old in July, and I have a four-year-old. She turned four in May, and I am... 32, almost 33 weeks pregnant right now with baby Autumn. I am Tiffany, um, stay-at-home mom of two, a six-year-old and four-and-a-half-year-old. Yeah, getting ready for virtual school. Hey, I'm Dr. B. I'm one third of Preggers Can Be Choosers. I am a fancy licensed clinical psychologist and here I hang out and be supportive and look for ways that we can kind of like mortar in the gaps and also get a little support myself. Um, Working virtually during COVID 100% telehealth is a little lonely. I just look at my family all the time. So, and my sweet dogs. Um, and we are in the, currently calling one of our dogs Fred, so that's pretty fun. Um, she has decided to change her name. So, Fred. Electra is now also called Fred. She has like 32 names, so we just added Fred to the list. So, that's what's going on around here. Y'all, I'm going to shut the door and I'm going to tell you what happened. Just a second. So, I'm at the bird center. Don't tell on yourself, Rowan. Oh, it's too late for that. So Fred is real, like a real energetic, interesting dog, you know, and she's real smart. It's exhausting having a smart dog for real, right? So I work up at the birth center by myself on Saturdays. Nobody else is here. So I take Fred with me, Electra. And Electra is the type of dog who was like, oh, like when she was a puppy, she figured out she could get out the cat door and then go down 
and like navigate half of Montrose. Like she's just really smart. One time I came back and she was jumping off the railing of the deck to get on the neighbor's house to like get on their, dig on their, I'm just like always something with the dog. Like you don't want to show her anything because she, she's like that, you know, that age of kids when they like see something and they immediately implement it and you're like, oh shit. So this is Electra my whole life, right? So the dog's 10 years old. So I bring her with me to the dog, or to the, to the dog park. I bring her with me to like a toddler. I bring her with me to the birth center. And I swear, I don't have my eyes on this dog for like, I don't know, two minutes, maybe. And so then I leave and I like look around because when I found her, she was like way on the other side of the birth center. I was like, what are you doing over there? So I look around, nothing's destroyed, nothing's eaten, nothing's whatever. Like, and she's a fairly well-behaved dog, but she's very, hmm. So then I get a note from the practice manager. She's like, did you do an exam on somebody? And I was like, no, I was there, but like, I didn't do anything. And she goes, okay. And then later she's like, um, she calls me and they're like real specific about this stuff. If somebody had done this and they were my employee, I would have fired them. Okay. So Fred had gotten up on the birth bed and rolled all over it and put her little dog hairs everywhere and stuff. Can you imagine if they walked in with a patient and like the bed was all tore up from a dog? Shit. So then I'm like, my sister and I are at our pool. We don't even have our keys to the birth center. We're like, we're on our way to come fix this. So it, it takes me like four seconds to like remake the bed and put the, um, the sheets in the wash. But I was like, if we need to take the bedspread to the dry cleaner, like whatever, but it wasn't, it was made up to receive a patient. I'm like, y'all, if that had been my employee, I would have been like, we can't be having you anymore. You have to go. So then I was waiting for the whole week to get fired. <laughs> it didn't happen. So... That's the good news, Sarita. I didn't get fired. So, <laughs> but like, I wanted to die. I wanted to die. It was so mortifying. And this is the thing when you work for yourself, you're not used to being like called on the carpet by employers, you know? And I was like, y'all, it was too much. So, that's, um, there used to be a movie called, well, there still is a movie called Drop Dead Fred. And that's where this lady had this imaginary friend. <laughs> Tiffany's like laughing herself out of the screen here. So Drop Dead Fred was this imaginary friend and he would like fuck everything up. Like nothing, like everything, he would just screw it up. But ultimately it was for the good, you know, like like he sunk a friend's houseboat and playing pirate. And so the whole thing sunk and like her whole house. And later she's like, that's okay. Do you know that thing was worth $2 million? I got this insurance check. So like everything ultimately works out. And Fred's, you know, facilitate, he's kind of like that character, like Professor Snape, you think he's a bad guy, but really he's facilitating good or like behind, working behind the scenes. But anyway, Fred, I was like, no, this isn't good. This isn't good. But they haven't brought it up since I did that. So I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I fixed it and I'll just keep better eye on this dog. Oh my God. Anyway, Fred. Mm -hmm. So feel free to share your most embarrassing moment of the last two weeks or something else that's going on. I know, Tiff, that you said you took your kids somewhere and they were having some socialization issues. So we could talk about that. Um, we could talk about whatever's going on in your pregnancy, Sarita, that you might need some support with or just anything, you know, we're going to talk or planning for Labor Day. And then ultimately, what are we going to do about these holidays? So those are kind of some topics we can navigate. Hey y'all, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get right back to it. Getting back to our real talk after birth style. Um, I was thinking about the holidays also, like the girls keep talking about, I'm going to be this for Halloween. I'm going to be this for Halloween. And Willow said, I'm going to say trick or treat. And then I'm going to say thank you. And I'm like, well, we might not be going trick-or-treating 
we might just have to trick-or-treat at home. Like, I don't even know what that's going to look like or, like, what if, the, you know, people have ideas or, like, I, I also have been taking a break from Facebook, so there's probably chatter about this in different mom groups, but I'm not doing the Facebook thing anymore, so I don't even know, like, like you said, what is that going to look like? What, how, are, is Halloween canceled? Like, everyone loves Halloween. Halloween can't be canceled, so I don't know. What, who's got ideas? I have an idea. What I'm doing um, for my kids and my mother's calling me. Hold on. What I'm doing for um, my children, what I said I was going to do every year in general, um, do a Halloween party, invite my close friends, do something really small for the kiddos, decorate, um, even, you know, buy your own candy. Or if you have a trusted neighborhood, even with that, it's kind of COVID is messing up everything, but buy the candy yourself, you know, um, and just have it so where they walk around or whatever. I don't know how big your space is. Have little different stations set up with different themes and, you know, have them trick-or-treat in the house, bring, the, bring the, you know, some some kids around like cousins or friends, you know, very small, very personal, but they'll still get the experience. Do a Halloween party, um, a costume party. It's a lot of different things you can do. Like this year, depending on um, when Autumn decides she wants to arrive, what she's doing on the 23rd of October. So I don't know when she's going to come. So I don't know how I'm going to do that. But those are a lot of the ideas that I've had. And I said I was going to do yearly for the kids because with all the sickos out here and it... <laughs> It just is not the same as when we were growing up and, you know, doing the full experience. It's, it's nothing the same. I feel like this Halloween is like the perfect opportunity for trick-or-treating because everyone will be wearing a mask. You can wear any mask you want. Like everyone just put on a freaking mask, any Halloween mask, take your pick. Congratulations, we can do that. You know, like it's, um, I feel like that's kind of a big opportunity that um, we have prepared for the last six months for. We have prepared for this. Um, but one time, Skylar. Um, hang on. Um, one time, Skylar got really, really sick and we could not take him trick or treating. He was really sad. Well, we had a bunch of like, his costumes and things that came with masks. So we, um, we had him choose and he like went and hid masks throughout the whole house and behind different doors and things. So Nathan and I would take turns running to a different room and putting on a different mask and he would have to come and knock on that door and say trick or treat. And so like we trick or treated inside the house, but it was fun because then all of a sudden like he would go to a different door and we would run to the other side of the house and he thought that was hilarious and like he still got the candy we got to choose how much candy was in the house all of those things and it was um one of our more memorable halloween experiences because he thought it was hilarious each of us trying to like 
breathlessly put on a mask and then open the door <laughs> and like be surprised that oh my gosh here's this power ranger again I'm kind of liking this idea that it's an opportunity to normalize mask wearing. Like it is one of the only times we wear masks, right? On the reg. So, and even having like a, incorporating your mask into your Halloween costume. And like some of us in this chat are like Halloween people, 365, 24 seven, all day, all night. Okay. So like having like kind of a, a spooky or even like an anatomy or something mask is very attractive, I gotta say. So planning ahead for our Halloween mask and then just keep wearing it. This is whatever. Like Dr. V was wearing a Beetlejuice looking mask with black and white stripe. And so she was wearing that yesterday because we had to go and do our taxes. And it looked so good. It was really great. So just, you know, get your Halloween look down and then advance that couture. That's all I gotta say. Oh, Caitlin, are you getting any orders for Halloween mask? Are you doing masks? What it, what's going on with that? I have not gotten any Halloween order masks. Um, haven't really thought about it. I just, I'm like even just a, um, a regular like, I don't know, the vinyl masks or the silicone masks or whatever, anything that is going to be sufficient in the Halloween costume world at this point. It doesn't even have to be a cloth mask. Even those rubber ones that smell like death are gonna be, you know, almost even better than the cloth ones because nothing gets through those except the eye holes. Like, I don't know. I just feel like we have prepared for this Halloween for so long and it's like on a Saturday and it's like full moon and it's like all of these amazing things. There's, um, it's like the Halloween of Halloweens. Like if ever there was a portal to be opened, it was this Halloween. So it is coming. It's a Saturday. Be ready. I'm going to dress up with my kids in masks and the whole family's going to wear them. And we're just, I don't know. It doesn't even need to be a cloth mask. It just needs to be a plastic mask. Anything that covers your face. Like, I feel like that's this whole year we've just been preparing for it. This whole year. Sarita, if you're in labor on Halloween, you know what we're doing, babe. You know what we're doing. We're getting dressed up. I don't know what I'm going to be, but I'm going to be something. And it's not going to be the midwife uniform, okay? It's going to be something real, real fun. Okay, I'm not saying it's going to be slutty with fishnets or something, but it's going to be something interesting. That's all I got to say. So try and go long with your date there. So then we're going to be like, hey, everybody, <laughs> Serena and Rowan live streaming Halloween birth. Woo! Trick or treat, motherfuckers. <laughs> Sorry. You think that there will still be people who will take their kids out around the neighborhood and knock on doors but it's just going to be like covid's on break for one night and we're just going to go and meet strangers and take food from them absolutely i i, I know it's going to be a lot of that i know it's probably going to be a lot of people knocking at my door just like with you know when i think when they opened up the beaches out here, everybody just went crazy, even though the numbers were like way up there. They, they just didn't, they didn't care. They went, they went party, even for the fourth, it was long, long lines getting the fireworks and stuff. So I don't think that the COVID is going to really affect how people are going to do the Halloween stuff. 
I also think like the porch light on, porch light off thing that I always grew up with. If the porch light is on, you're participating. If the porch light is off, you're not participating and that's fine. I think that that's something we just should be talking about in mom groups so that, you know, if you don't want people coming to your house, great, turn your porch light off. You want people coming to your house, turn your porch light on. This is the most important night for this to, you know, for you to pay attention to it. So I feel like, you know, that's something we've already had in society for a long time. I know it's not actually in all areas, which is always surprising when you find out something that's so normal to you is not normal everywhere. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's an, a big piece of it too, right? Is that now we have this opportunity to utilize some of the social constructs we have put in place for Halloween and then build upon it specifically for this environment. But yeah, I totally think everyone's going to be out for Halloween trick-or-treating, doing it. I think it's happening. And Dr. B and I drove by where we used to live a couple of days ago. We used to live on the edge of Third Ward. Like, we live in Third Ward now, but well, I guess we live on the other side of Third Ward. But we used to live um, right at OST and um, Ty Wester and Cullen and stuff. And I lived there for 10 years, and Dr. B lived there for, I think, four and so there's a bunch of clubs over there and we drove by and we we're just kind of looking at, you know, how it looks different and some parts are safer and some parts aren't. And um, it was always a pretty intense neighborhood and we're a lot paler than most folks over there, which was always fine for us. I didn't care, but um, sometimes the neighbors did. And, but there's a bunch of real bumping clubs over there and we drove by in one place, it was $20. Was it to park Blythe a car load? It, so there's no like street parking there, but there was just tons and tons of people and, and they were in an open air area that we could see, but there was no mass and Bly, <laughs> Dr. Blythe was like having a running monologue about it as we drove by. It's pretty funny. Has anyone thought further into the year regarding like for nothing giving and Christmas and any other holidays towards the end of the year like we when we lived in Texas sometimes we would travel back up here to the northeast to see family um and I don't even know if like I haven't talked to my husband about it like if we're going somewhere for Thanksgiving or if we're just staying home and what that's going to look like for you know, the rest of our family. I don't know if anyone's thought, thought that far yet. Well, my brother is getting married in October and that's something we've had to decide, like, we're going, we're not going. Well, we're definitely going. Like, I'm not going to be um, the, I'm, because it's, he has invited a total of like 30 people and of the 30 people, not even all of them are going. Um, and basically it's all of her family and I'm pretty much it for my brother, right? Like he invited my dad, he invited my sister. My sister is unlikely to go and my mom's not gonna be there. So there's like, basically for me, this was a come hell or high water, I'm going. Like I, I'm, not, I'm not missing it. It's not, that's not a possibility, right? Like even if it was just me and not my kids, I'm going. Um, so we had to, you know, I almost had a complete breakdown because last night we were trying to figure out, do we drive, do we fly? And um, 
tickets were $80 round trip per person. And it's not a 17 hour drive each way, like with kids. Like it, it, I'm like having breakdowns about having to even just make the decisions on something that like has to have a decision made. Um, you know, my brother's saying no one has to wear a mask at his wedding, but I sure as hell probably will be. So that's just the way it is. I'll put it in the colors that their wedding is, you know, but like, it's just, um, it's exhausting. And I feel like I can't think even towards Thanksgiving and Christmas until I'm through just the, the next one, right? Like I'm still living month to month on trying to assess where we're at. I have a patient who went to Palm Springs um, to meet some friends. Um, so she just went to the desert, but they like all took COVID tests before they went. They waited, you know, a week or something for their results and like quarantined from the moment they got the test and then they got there and then they didn't like go anywhere. They had groceries like dropped off on the door. So they just, if somebody was positive, they would just infect each other and they were there for like three weeks. But when she flew there, she wore like this big white, um, she was calling it her banana suit. And it was like one of those painters, like Sherwin Williams, you know, white suits, um, look like a hoodie and footy and the whole nine. And she spray painted on the back or wrote with Sharpie, I'm not real clear, um, stay back six feet and then had a mask and a shield. And so she looked like... Um, like those kids from never been kissed when they were in the DNA, you know, when they came through the prom or whatever. So she was like rocking through and she's like, people were like this, they just stayed back and it worked. And she goes, anytime I fly, probably now to the end of time, she's going to wear her special banana suit. So Kate, yeah, Rowan's going to do it too. Like, I don't care. I have friends. I don't give a fuck what people think of me. I'm over 40. Like those days are over of caring, um, so super inspired by her story. So like Caitlin can have the family of the, you know, the banana suits and spray paint on the back, stay back six feet and like do a big red medical cross on it and just be obnoxious. And people will think like, oh my God, and it works, they stay back. Um, so like, if you gotta, there you go, pro tip from a patient. I gotta say, that's not a bad look for handing out candy at Halloween, too. Like, you know, you could just answer the door wearing that, or you could just stand on your porch. But um, one year, Blythe and I, well, we always try and do interesting stuff for Halloween. But one year, uh, we had a bunch of aromatherapy inhalers. We had one that smelled like chai and the one that smelled like uh, eucalyptus or something that somebody had donated after Harvey. And we were sitting on maybe 200 of them, and they were like the size of a chapstick they look actually like you put a bump in them. So people are like, what are you passing out? <laughs> I was like, no, it's a <laughs> I promise. So we had like a bucket on the front porch and that was when the Astros were playing, you know, so like nobody wanted to do, the, nobody wanted to do Halloween because they were in the World Series. So I would just go out there and stuff and, and hand these out and people are like, what the hell are these, right? Um, but when I explained, oh, it's one so you can relax and one to help you think more clear, people were like, can I have one for my mom? So you can think outside the box. Like, I know one time this principal would give out pencils and say, you know, guaranteed to get an A if you use it right. So that's an option. And then one year we gave out, oh, the tape measures. We did tape measures and finger cuffs one time because somebody had a bunch of these extra tape measures, like Dr. B was just showing this little small tape measure. And it was from a marketing company and they'd misspelled the name or got the phone number wrong on it. So 
um, somebody brought it to a midwife meeting, like maybe 3,000 of them. And I like took like three or 400 of them. I was like, we're passing these out for Halloween. So <clears throat> it doesn't have to be food. It could be tape measures. It could be pencils. It could be, you know, not bumps, but you know what I mean? Like you can think outside the box here. It doesn't have to be something ingestible or something that they put on their face. So, so that and your banana suit, I mean, you're going to be the most popular COVID party in town. That's what I got to say. Children love pretending they're doctors. <laughs> That's one of the things they love. They love dress up. My daughter, she would dress up in anything. Like that's that's the beauty of it. If you pass on stuff like that, they'll love it more so than the candy itself, I think. Because children love dressing up, they love pretending. It could be children love boxes. So it like, you know, anything that's unedible. That'll be a good thing to pass out. I like the measuring tape too, because like being a midwife, one of the things that we normally do is we measure the belly to see how, um, how the progression's going. And so it's neat because kids a lot of times in the past would come in and help measure their, their parents' belly. So, and having a basket full of like shit for them to get into where you're trying to have a prenatal appointment is always good. And so they're always walking around measuring stuff and whatever. So that's why we're like, oh, this measuring tape is great. Plus it's, you know, stimulating and it's play acting. And one of my partners is a Montessori teacher and she was like, yeah, that's one of the best things you could do is pass out something to measure with and, and it kind of gets their minds thinking in a new way. So, yep. And I like that, Sarita. Trying stuff out, playing doctor, playing midwife. Okay, this is completely off topic, but um, <laughs> for mothers, okay, my daughter keeps watching these birth videos. Like, she's, she gets on YouTube, and she's, like, obsessively watching people, like, real people go to the hospital and all of that, and I'm like... <laughs> I, I don't know. It's crazy because before I found out I was pregnant, she was obsessed with watching like the Barbies with the bellies and she was like obsessed with watching it. And I'm like, what is my child? Like, <laughs> why is she doing this? Like, I don't, I don't even know how to begin to even explain to her. Like, <laughs> I, I just, it's so confusing the whole situation because She's really obsessed with it. And I like, you know, some of them videos could get explicit. And I, I, oh, I don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Help. I got this one. I'll start. So I've always wanted to be a midwife. Right. And so my youngest daughter is 29 and I met her when she was four. And so I was getting, that's when you, we still got a lot of, a lot of paper magazines. And so there was this magazine from the farm called the birth Gazette. And so it would come and Rose would always rip out the center pieces and it was always crowning. And so Rose would take the pictures. Her job was to get the mail. So Rose would go and get the mail and rip out the pictures of crowning and then put them on her wall, like a teen beat poster of, you know, like the beebs or something. So then her great grandmother would come in and have a heart attack because Rose didn't care about babies. She didn't care about pregnant bellies. She wanted crowning. Okay. 
So like I can, I feel you here. I feel you. So with Rose, I would be like, there's two things we got to address here. One, I want to read these before you start decimating my magazines. And then two, maybe we could put them on the inside door of your closet so you could enjoy them. But then when Nanny comes over, we can shut the closet door. So, and it was real normal. Like we had, this is back when we had VHS videos. And so, and there's a 10 year gap between her, Rose and her older siblings. So they were always watching like Men in Black and Hackers and stuff like this. This is the nineties. And so, and then it would be Rose's turn to watch a video and Rose always wanted to watch a birth video. And so then the question was, do you want to watch one where I'm in it or one that I'm not in it? And she always wanted to want to watch where they were having a set of twins on the farm. Right. And so then the older kids, so if Rose was like four, the older kids are like 14, 14, 15 and 16. And so of course there's neighbor kids over because my house was the only house that had two moms and you could smoke in the backyard. So we were the cool house. So, and I remember this one kid, Nathan was like, we put in the birth video and Nathan was like, what is this? And I thought like, I was doing like birth control for all of Clear Creek ISD, you know? And so my foster son, Chad would like watch stuff with like a pillow and he would do it like this. He would be like, he would know when the parts were going to come because they'd all seen this video a million times. They'd be like, oh, oh, like that. Oh, and so Nathan gets the ottoman and he like pulls it real close to the TV, like this far away from the TV. Cause he's like, I'm going to see some puss, you know? And Chad goes, dude, if I was you, I'd go home. You don't want to see this. <laughs> so this is my life. My kids were always watching birth videos. It's very normal. And all of my kids think it's totally normal to have a home birth or out of hospital birth. And that's just how it was. But I did have to have parameters with Rose, like, you know, you can't take stuff apart and we have to like, you know, nanny's not okay with this. And like, there had to be some boundaries, but I never really cared much. And I remember when Rose asked me how a tampon worked and I was like, oh, you get it like this and you, here's the water and stuff. She goes, no, can I see you put it in? And I was like, maybe not. Okay. We'll, we'll address that when you're 16 or something, not five. So, you know, like, so we had to like talk it out, but I was always like real normal. And this is what a vulva looks like. And, you know, this is where the baby comes out. And it was just like real legit. And people would say like, there's a baby in your tummy. And she's like, it's a uterus, you know? So I had that kid. Um, but it was just normal. And, but, you know, I didn't have to like monitor YouTube and stuff like then, but it was just real normal. And I just let her watch as much as she wanted. And at some point she just got disengaged. And just like the older kids, you know, once they figured out that, you know, like a vulva wasn't looked, you know, and there wasn't online porn like it, there is now either. But once the kids saw like, this is a vagina in action, like I'm pretty sure it changed them all for life, hopefully for better. So that's, so that's my direct experience with both adolescents and Rose. Well, with Cassidy, it looks like it's progressing because it started off with just the, um, like the Barbies and their, the Barbies are pregnant. And then it just started, it just started progressing from there. Now it's the, everything, every video, like I would go into her YouTube and you know how they'll have like suggested videos or like videos previously watched it. Like the entire headline would be nothing but pregnant women nothing but and I was just like you know a child like I know mommy's pregnant now like and before I found out I was pregnant she was watching I'm like why is my child watching this like where did it come from why is she thinking about bellies and pregnancy and she would always tell me mommy I'm gonna have a baby sister mommy you're you're gonna you're gonna have a baby in your belly and this was like way before like months before I got pregnant again 
and she was really obsessed with it and i was i was like i don't know what what brought that up to her and then now it's to the point where she's like you gotta go to the hospital mommy mommy you have to go to the hospital because you're you're gonna have the baby tomorrow <laughs> it's just progressing Did y'all have, um, those of you who birthed at home or had siblings there, did anybody uh, share birth videos with their kids? Bev, did your kids see, well, Bev's kids weren't around when you had the baby, I remember that. Uh, yeah, I never, um, okay, I never had any of my kids around for births because of my own, like, I didn't want to be distracted, you know, I, I knew that it just wasn't right for me. Look, there's one right here, Autumn. Um, sorry, y'all. But I showed them plenty of birth videos. They've all seen babies coming out, and um, we talked about how there's different ways for the baby to come out. And especially my oldest, she was like obsessed with birth videos, especially when I was pregnant with number three. She was like three years old at that time. And she just always, always wanted to watch the birth videos, which I thought it was awesome. Um, but yeah, it's nothing weird around here. We talk about things pretty openly. Um, I have two boys, um, but my oldest was three years old when my youngest came. Um, and we did show him videos and things because he was around for the birth. Like he, I had my second at home and that was a successful home birth. Um, and I know that he was like in and out of the birth room, but I don't really remember any of it. So we did stuff to like prepare him just to go, okay, mommy might make noise. She might do these other things. Um, but we made sure to show him videos of like what our birth might look like. So if you're not planning to go to the hospital Maybe see if um, there's videos you could show of going to a birth center or something like that so that, you know, it's not, it doesn't seem so doom and gloom because um, sometimes I know going to hospital birth videos can look very scary and very different. Um, but I, I mean, he just wasn't super curious or super interested because that's not what was what it was about for him, but we just wanted to make sure he was prepared. So I think it's just a natural curiosity of how our body works too. Um, but I don't, I can't really speak to it as far as girls go, cause I only have boys. Um, but yeah, I don't know if, if there's just a way that, um, I guess for us, we just made sure it was, we showed him videos of what it might look like the way we were going to do it. Well, I remember the birth, like he didn't really seem to, to want to be involved. He would come in and check on you and stuff, but he was super involved in like some super power ranger toy kind of thing or whatever. Like he was just like, Oh, he would check it like flyby, you know, like he would do a little drive by and check in. But so whatever he did was great. Well, um, I guess due to COVID, um, Cassidy won't be a part of the birth because of, you know, everything that's going on. Um, so she won't actually get 
the whole experience. She'd probably get the the pre labor experience because you know obviously she'll I'll probably be at home maybe I don't know. But nine times out of ten she'll be with me and you know see that. Um, she she was two when I had my boy, so she got to she. I don't think she was awake whenever I went into labor with him. And I wasn't really like doing all the dramatic screaming or nothing. I was just slightly moaning a little bit. And my grandmother came in there. I think my daughter was still sleeping. And at that time, my daughter was sleeping in the room with me. So she slept through all of that. And yeah, she she may or may not have seen the ambulance come and get me. But <laughs> as far as this go round, I really... I really don't know what to <laughs> prepare her for because she, I, I don't even think she'll be here whenever, you know, because I'm doing the out of hospital birth. It'll be at the birthing center more so, depending. I don't, I don't know what this baby going to do, but <laughs> plans are to go up there and, you know, she can't come with me up there, unfortunately, but she won't get to have that experience. So she's just watching the videos just to watch them right now. <laughs> have you thought about like filming your birth? And again, you don't have to share it with anyone except yourself or with her or something just so you, like she could see her mom do that later. Um because there's a curiosity there and I'm just, I'm wondering if that's a, something you would share with her. Not again, like I have pictures from my birth that I don't actually share with pretty much anybody like Blythe and Road and like people who were at my birth have seen those, but otherwise they're not exactly pictures I pull out as a, like, hi, welcome. I'm Caitlin and have you seen this birth? Those pictures are great though. I they love are them. great, but I they're not like pictures. Yeah. <laughs> They're totally puffy muff pictures. Like they're like kind yeah. of kind that like it's not really like oh here's the magic of birth. It's like here's a close up of Caitlin's gift shop, and here's the baby coming out. Yeah, here's yeah. I mean it's beautiful and it's exciting, but it's not like, you know, it's not like Stephanie Shirley took him or something. You know, <laughs> right. My mama is a recorder. She recorded my birth with the first one. <laughs> she recorded my birth with my son. So it's going to be on video most definitely. So she'll get to see, you know, whenever it's time, she'll get to see how it how it goes out. And then this is a completely different experience I'm going to be experiencing. Um, as far as with like the water birth, I plan, I really want to do the water, the whole water thing. Um, so yeah, it'll be recorded. It will be, I'll show her eventually as far as that goes depending on how how bad it may or may not be like if it's a whole bunch of like bleed, i don't want to freak her out that bad but as far as mommy in the hospital i mean mommy in the you know in the center and stuff like that and mommy getting ready and then mommy holding the baby afterwards i'll show her like those little pieces but she's four right now i don't want her to freak out from blood like she freaks out with bugs and stuff and little stuff like that so i don't want her to like <laughs> be traumatized by you know the actual thing 
but it will be recorded. It will be there for her whenever, you know, I think she's kind of ready to see that. Bev, do you share your birth video with anybody now? Um, I I haven't actually. I mean, it was on uh, it was on BirthTube, so thousands of people watched me give birth. But then afterwards, like Blake and I watched it a couple of times, and then I had I don't think I've shown anyone since then. Um, I've shown plenty of people like birth pictures, but um, yeah, I don't know the the video. It was very intense and um, I don't know. I'm not sure why I haven't shown. I definitely, I didn't show the kids even after, you know, all the times that they've seen other birth videos and stuff. I'm not sure why I haven't shown them or anyone. It's just um, after going through it and then seeing it myself, I just, I don't know. I've just kept it to myself. Have you heard of that? Or does everybody else know about BirthTube, what that is? No? Okay, so it's a Facebook group where you can live stream your birth. So yeah, and you can go through and you can see the hospital ones and that you can see the birth center ones. And so Bev live streamed hers and I forgot it was gonna happen. And so I was actually, um, Dr. B and I are both hula hoopers. Well, so is Tiffany. Um, but we were at a hoop event on Sunday morning and then they were like, oh, Bev's going. And I was like, okay. So I left the hoop jam to go to, or I think I was walking out and then I had to go change and go to Bev's birth. And so Blythe was, Dr. B was watching it on Facebook at the hoop jam and like telling me, egging me on to do stuff in the background. She goes, I can see you texting me. So this is like a time when I wasn't needed. So it was super funny. We were doing that and like it was real time, but so you can join BirthTube on Facebook and you can go and look for Bev's video if you want. I might be able to link it in the show notes. I'm not sure. But the part that I think got a little intense is that Bev is a small lady and this is a big baby and we knew that the baby is going to be a little bit tricky to get out. And um, so we had a plan for it, but you can tell that something's going down during the birth. And, but we also had a plan and we did a couple of inflation breasts with the Ambu bag. And I think that's something good to see too, that you can see that and see that inflation breasts with an Ambu bag can be part of something that happens if we have a little bit of a stickiness and it's a water birth. And everything works out just fine if you have a plan and you have people who are capable of executing the plan, which is what happened. And she had a strong team. But it being social media, there's always somebody who's like an armchair quarterback and says some shitty ass stuff. And I think that's the part that gets her. Because Bev, you were an incredibly strong person, very strong person. And, um, and Bev's real tiny. So you did great. You did great. And I was real proud of you then. And I'm real proud of you now. So. So thanks for letting me be part of that. But for Thank those you. Just... <laughs> I, I'm honestly, so I'm so grateful for the team that I had. I'm grateful you were there and that I had Shannon, just everyone there like played their part perfectly. And um, I knew like the whole time I knew in the back of my head, this is a huge fucking baby, but I can do this. And once it like got to that point where I knew, I just was like, this baby is fucking stuck. I was like, I have to, I have to get her out. And I, I 
like I don't even have words to describe how hard that was but like I pushed myself harder than I've ever than I will ever be pushed in my life you know what I mean like it was just it was crazy but I had the perfect team for it and I wasn't ever scared for like my well-being or hers like I I knew the whole time that we had it under control um but yeah it's really fucking emotional to look back and and see the video and it was it was an intense moment for sure but I enjoyed sharing it at the same time because I think it is good for people to see that and um of course there was comments that I didn't enjoy seeing afterwards but um I don't know. I think I I proved to a lot of people that it could be done because I, I, I don't know. I see a lot of comments um, from women saying, oh, I'm five feet tall and 120 pounds and my baby's eight pounds. I, I have to have a C-section. And I, I just wanted, I wanted so bad to like be some kind of a reason or influence on someone to think, oh, maybe I can have this baby vaginally. So I think I did do that for some people. So that was really my goal. How tall are you and how much did you weigh pre-pregnancy and how much did this baby weigh? I am five, I say I'm five one. I'm five and half an inch. Um, I was about 125 before I got pregnant with Gemma and she was 10 pounds exactly. And let me just say also that I had my first um, OB ever told me that I would never be able to vaginally birth a baby over uh, seven pounds. And since then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> since then, I've had two almost nine and a half pound babies and a 10 pound baby. Did you do anything specific, Bev, to like, when you knew that you were having a big baby to like kind of prep yourself for delivery or anything like that? Um, well, I did some Mama Strong, which was like, oh, I did a little bit of physical stuff, but it was like, I would say 90% mental and emotional. Because um, really like, my body was made for it. And I just had to keep telling myself that over and over again. And um, I think especially after I had a really traumatic first birth and it was in the hospital and that wasn't a big baby. She was seven, two or something. Um, but I showed myself that I definitely can do anything. And then after having autumn, she was an extremely, that was a very hard labor. And, um, she ended up being nine, six. Um, and I was like, shit, I really can do anything. And then just with each subsequent birth, it's just been like, fuck yeah, like I can literally do anything. And um, I, don't, I struggle with self-confidence, but when it comes to having babies, like I know that I can have a fucking baby. And I love to encourage other women that, that they can do too, so. So one question I've always had, and I don't know if anybody knows the science behind it, but what makes a baby big? What makes a baby small? Like, 
I, I think all my kids come out little so far. Like my son, he was six fourteen or six fifteen in my door. No, he was six twelve. And my daughter was five fifteen, five fourteen. And I gained so much, like I'm big. So I'm thinking I'm gonna have a really big baby. And I'm almost I'm right at six feet. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm about to have some big babies, but they come out small. I'm like, what the heck? Like, where is all of this coming from? Why am I feeling such heaviness? What, like, what is all of this that I'm feeling? Because this is, I was expecting like large babies and they're tiny as crap and I'm in all this pain and they're causing all of this stuff. So I don't know. How big is your placenta generally with your these babies? Have you seen the size of your placenta? That's crazy because they don't tell you at the hospital. <laughs> they don't tell you none of that. Like you don't get the details. You don't like and it's crazy because I don't ever know like what my uterus is. Is it tilted? Is it not like I don't know none of that. I can't even tell you any of that because they don't do, they don't really get into details with you about your body and that's crazy that's crazy to me and one thing that i seen last night and this is completely off topic but it's about the billing and stuff they're charging people to hold their own babies what the heck <laughs> i seen that last night and i was i was dumbfounded like they're they're charging you 40 dollars to hold your own baby i One thing I think is interesting is that will be interesting with this baby to kind of see what size it is, is how much stress were you under when you were pregnant the last two times? And I know that this pregnancy has been a little bit stressful. And then I want to see how your placenta looks and what your bleeding is. And if your bleeding starts, like I'm worried that, or not worried, but I'm thinking maybe there might be a correlation between a small placenta or a placenta that's not attached very well or I want to look at the cords to see if you have a two vessel cord or what the cord looks like. And then sometimes in a placenta, if it looks like a pancake, sometimes it'll be the cord insertion will be on the side, like a 80 side ponytail. And sometimes that grows a smaller baby because of how the, um, it's not getting all the nutrition from the whole placenta. It's really just taken from one side. It's not, it's not an effective placenta or it's, um, it's capacity to grow a baby sometimes diminished. So I think there's a missing piece of the puzzle that we don't quite know yet. But I'm interested to see what the, like, uh, I think that's kind of what I want to see because Sarita and I are the same height. Like I've maybe got a little bit more on her, but we're about the same height. We're both at around six feet and, and you could hide a really big baby, but um, I guess we're just going to find out what this one, does anybody else have any thoughts about growing a big baby or a small baby or sizes or anything? Sometimes I think my oldest was, um, born like a week earlier and he was seven pounds six ounces and his cord was cut pretty much immediately because he was born c-section um and atlas was born eight pounds six ounces so and he was like one week later um so it could have been the extra week but we also let his cord fully um go white before it was cut so i'm wondering if that blood flow if it was enough of a weight difference too that that might be a part of um why he was so much bigger without like tons of extra time. 
Um, yeah, because I know that it is, I think, Ro, and I think I remember it's a third of the baby's blood supply goes back to the placenta for birth, if I'm correct, and then it retransfers after birth to help make them think fit through the birth canal better. I think that's what I'm remembering, maybe. I don't know those numbers specifically, but that makes a lot of sense, especially when a baby's coming down the, um, the you know, vaginal canal, it's getting the shit squeezed out of it, right? So like we can imagine that just like a river flowing upwards, right? Like some, well, um, some blood will go back up in the placenta, maybe that's not normally there. And you can like, because I encapsulate a fair amount of placentas, I probably do about 20, 25 a year. Like even Dr. B can tell what placenta has come from a hospital, what's come from a birth center, what's come from somebody like Shannon who lets it just hang out until everything's done. How much blood has gone back into the baby and how much is retained in the placenta, big time, big time. And I tend to drag my feet a lot. Like I'm not in a super big hurry. I'm, uh, I like to get the placenta out, but I'm not married to it being like the cord cut or whatever. And some places that do want the cord cut rather quickly, they're doing it because they want to get cord blood for running the baby's blood type and some gases and stuff like that, blood gases. But like, whatever, it'll work out. Let's just have as much blood, let's have as much blood and stem cells in this baby as possible. That's the thing for me. I really want the stem cells that are hanging out in the placenta to go back into the baby. And my own, you know, I'm not really a conspiracy theory person at all, by the way. I feel like that's a rabbit hole that I don't need to get into. But when people, when the hospitals got so territorial about letting people take their placentas, no part of me thought that they actually cared about people getting sick from ingesting placentas. I feel like that was a revenue stream that dried up because they're selling the stem cells and placentas for research. So this is, I've always thought that. And um, anyway, I, I want all those stem cells and all that goodness and all that blood and all that nutrition in the baby. And when you have an out of hospital birth, especially a water birth, the baby can take a hot minute to, not literally a minute, but like 20 to 30 seconds to kind of come into its own and start breathing and have good tone and all this stuff or like, you know, crying and its own respiratory effort, if you will. And so I want all that blood and that oxygenated blood from the placenta, from the parent into that baby in those moments before the baby starts doing its inspiration on itself by itself. So anyway, that's my thought about placentas, but I'll be interested to see what happens with your Sarita and how big this baby is, how big baby Autumn is. And so you're having a baby named Autumn and then Bev, you already have a baby named Autumn, right? Okay. Oh, look at that. Okay. And then Tiffany with uh, Willow and Lily, so we got some flowers, and then Skylar. Do you feel like Skylar? Well, Skylar and Atlas, those are both like science and astronomy names. Y'all, way to represent. Oh, I got a daughter named Rose. Look. Oh, and Dr. B has a Coraline Clover. Look at us. We're just like nature names are us. Oh, and my own name's a fucking tree, right? Rowan, hello. So I see that we have a theme here. Mm -hmm. It's good. It's good. We're a tribe. Okay. Can you speak to um, Rowan, I guess, when... I was pregnant with Lily, the first child. Before I went to a birthing center, I saw a doctor like in a hospital a few times as my OBGYN. And one of the appointments, she told me like, you better lay off the sweets, you gotta lay off the candy because you're gaining too much weight too quickly and you're gonna have a fat baby which is gonna make it difficult to give birth. So she mm. told me to like, you know, be more aware of my caloric intake and all that. So, I mean, is that actually true? Because Lily Sometimes. wasn't even that so, a big of a baby. 
sometimes that's true. I think the bigger issue is that if somebody is predisposed, predisposed towards diabetes, they'll get it in pregnancy and then it doesn't really go away or it comes back sooner. Like, so gestational diabetes is like a early flag for regular diabetes, right? And so when you have gestational diabetes, it kind of wrecks havoc on the pregnant person's body. And then, and then that also wreaks havoc on the baby. So I think there's a big concern about like making sure that your calories, because you're going to have a, 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 cal a caloric jump. It's like we want about 500 more calories in somebody when they're pregnant than uh, when they're not pregnant. So we totally want that. But we want those, that nutrition to be good nutrition, not like subpar nutrition. So I think that's a big thing. And I get nervous when I see people starting to have like big weight gains, because I'm not sure if they're having a weight gain that something's right or something's wrong. Right. So this is something <laughs> that Sarita and I've been talking about a little bit. We're like, okay, what's going on here? Um, but that's the thing with weight gain. You want to just kind of be careful. And I have seen people who've had like terrible diets and just eating junk and like trashy food the whole time. And it's, um, well, not trashy food, but just like, you know, poor nutrition. And it's made their bodies not able to handle labor well. So that's a concern because, you know, like when you think about feet, you know, having a high octane, like a, a fancy car and you need to put special fluid or a special gas in it. And then you put the shitty gas in it with like a gas station that's got like some water in the tank or whatever, that doesn't let the car run effectively. And that's the concern here. We want to have an optimized, you know, physical sense of health. So, and that's good for the baby because like what you're, the building blocks you're putting in your body is also what's the building blocks of the baby, right? So it's kind of a bigger picture than the don't get fat, don't have a fat baby, but those are some slightly valid concerns. One thing that I try to do just real quickly is instead of focusing on like, don't eat shit food, I always say, are you eating produce and protein? Produce and protein, produce and protein, because you get more of what you pay attention to, right? So like, I don't care if somebody's eating candy, if they're eating produce and protein and going for a 30 minute walk every day, I'm like, sweet, it's doing it. And I'm always on people's ass to eat watery fruits. So like, I'm like, eat a watermelon, eat a watermelon. And then I'm worried that I sound like a racist motherfucker trying to tell everybody to eat a watermelon, okay? Because most of my patient population is black and not white, whitey McWhiterton like I am. Um, but so, but everybody gets watermelon speech, not just my darker complected patients. Okay? Everybody gets a watermelon speech. But I had to like, you know, worry about how I frame that. Did I sound terrible by saying it? But in my mind, watermelon is one of the best things you can eat because it's nourishing for the kidneys. It's um, hydrating. It's delicious. It's good for you. Um, and then when you eat it, people slow down. It's kind of messy and it's a sensory experience. And you know, and the sugar in watermelon starts being absorbed in your mouth, and it's so watery, like the the receptors in your mouth are the ones as opposed to going straight to your esophagus. So there's different parts of your body where the nutrition of a watermelon is absorbed. So I love watermelon. I think it's a great thing. So that's what I always do, um, Tiff. Instead of saying, don't eat candy, don't have a fat baby. I'm like, let's focus on our produce and protein. What does that look like? And don't forget your watermelon. Okay, good. And don't eat dairy. Dairy grows a huge baby. So if somebody's got like a weight gain thing that I'm kind of looking at, I'm always like kind of thinking about dairy especially if they might be, uh, if they have Native American ge genealogy or um, indigenous, you know, community, if those are part of their genetics, I want to, um, you know, I want to make sure that that's part of, that they've, you know, thought that through a little bit. So anyway, that's my two cents on that. I just wanted to shout out to all the midwives who actually care about all of the other things that play into each of these little questions that we have of 
why is this baby bigger? Why, you know, what, what are you eating? What are you, and it all plays into this bigger factor instead of just looking at numbers and assigning a number to each patient. So shout out to all my midwives because it's awesome. And also shout out to all the moms who share their birth stories because it helps all of the other moms know what we're um, in for and all the positive experiences and the negative experiences so that we can learn from, from those too. But I really appreciate all of the moms who share all of the awesome birth stories because they were really helpful for my second birth. Any follow-up questions, Sarita, before we bounce off for today? Um, not really too many. Um, yeah, that was pretty much it I can think of, really. Just uh, what to prepare for. I'm, I'm just trying to get prepared. Um, I think it's going to be a very quick labor because my son, I did him naturally, but it was at the hospital and I hated that experience. Lord, those people pissed me off. They, they made me lay down the whole time I asked them, can I walk? They said, no, you have to be on the monitor. I'm like, so like how y'all expect me to bring my baby down? How y'all expect me to dilate? That experience pissed me off so badly. <laughs> like, I just know like this go around, my baby probably just gonna slide right out if she rotates the way she need to. <laughs> Cause, ooh, have anybody ever had like the um, like double contractions with the sunny side up baby? Because that's all. That's one thing I can remember from my labor with him is those double contractions. They were, ooh, they were painful. A sunny side up baby is also an OP baby for those who are listening. So did any of y'all have back labor or no? Um, I was, I was induced with number one and uh, I had like, I just remember having contraction after contraction, like no room to breathe, especially at the end. And it was, it was horrible. Okay, well, we'll all think about it and see if we have anything. And if anybody in our listening group community has something to add, they can send us a message on Anchor or you can we can keep chatting in the Facebook group. For those of us who are Facebooking, I barely am. Whoever said that, if, if Facebook was a country, it'd be North Korea. They were 100% right. So, okay, well, my loves, let's uh, unmute ourselves and we'll see each other next week. Bye, Love y'all. Have a good Love week. You guys. Yeah. Bye. Next Love week. Are you wanting to join in the conversation but keep missing us live? Then sign up for text reminders at www.preggers.rocks. That's www.preggers.rocks. And we'll see you Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Oh, thank you.